When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And we are here with the cutest one, and that is Jenna Barclay, host of Talks in Class, and a three-time returner to the podcast. Hi. Hey, Jenna. Hi. Hey. So if we force you to come on three times, that truly means we love you. So we are glad you are back. And to prove that we love you even more, normally we force people what to watch as well. But we saw that you love Jennifer's body, so we were like, Let's have her on for a movie she actually wants to watch. I love that. Very appreciated, guys. (laughs) Of course, of course. And speaking of appreciation, Jenna, you just set me up. Walk right into it. This, unfortunately, is the last week of Donnie Appreciation Month. Oh, no. (laughs) You're so disappointed. We did it, Joe. But we'll be all right, folks. (laughs) So like I said, we are covering Jennifer's Body. And the movie premiered September 18th, 2009. I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas was top song in America, mm. as it should be. Fergie supremacy on this podcast, you know I live for it. <laughs> the Black Eyed Peas are not the Black Eyed Peas without Fergie. Mm. Jenna, where do you stand on that? I love Fergie, so I fully agree. Imagine someone was like anti-Fergie. Not here. They know to be quiet. Who can be anti-Fergie? <laughs> I was going to say, that's like somebody hating Tom Hanks, but Johnny oh. famously, number one Tom Hanks hater, so anything's possible. Well, no, now like little seeds are being dropped that he might not be a good human so i can't wait <gasps> oh, for this to be cancel revealed. clear i can't take any more heartache in 2023 <laughs> and it's only march right. i know <laughs> well chelsea's been through quite a month after what yeah I've, I've aged i'm now like the old woman at the end of the titanic it's been 84 years you look like her a little bit <laughs> this is fucking rude. the red hair yeah, exactly <laughs> so archer and community both premiered this week Chelsea, you watched Archer, yes? I mean, no, not Archer. No, but I was going to say, well, I assumed that you thought I watched Archer because I watch every single adult cartoon known to man, but I oddly did not watch Archer and I got into Community Late. That was a pandemic show for me. That was a late binge and uh, I love that show. I have never seen it. (laughs) Nor I, so we're in good company together. It's such a good binge. I don't watch TV. I don't know. Really? What do you do with all your time? I don't really know what I do with all my time, honestly. (laughs) I watch TV that I've seen 300 times. Mm. Like, if you saw my TV, it's old Vanderpump Rules. Sorry, Donnie. (laughs) You know? That's what I watch. I get it. There's something comforting about watching something you already watch and know the direction it's going to go in as opposed mm-hmm. to yes. the journeys they put us on especially with modern tv characters are being killed off every mm-hmm. two seconds that's what i'm saying and there's too many seasons too no. many episodes can i just take this moment to use this platform just to speak on something that really grinds my gears sure if somebody recommends do you like how i didn't even pause uh-huh. if 
someone is pitching me a television show and they're like, okay, well, like the first season's slow, but you just got to get through the first 92 episodes. No, absolutely not. If I'm not hooked in the first 45 seconds, no, thank you. I agree. Who has that kind of time? I don't want to feel like I'm doing a homework assignment to get to the good part. Now, I will say, Chelsea, you did tell me that about The Office when you made me watch it. You said, okay, but that's true. <laughs> well, I think the people are telling you the truth as well. It's just nonsense. Well, okay. But to be fair, with a sitcom, you can kind of jump in wherever. Sure. It's different with a drama show yeah. where you have to sit through all the yeah. boring stuff. And I will say, Jenna, you said that there's so many seasons and longer episodes now. Longer episodes, true. But there are, I feel like, number of episodes. There's a lot less than there used to be. But in the 2000s and stuff, there were filler episodes. So many fillers. So, like, we could just watch a full episode about, like, getting ready for prom or eating cheesecake off a floor. But now every minute matters and it is just so heavy. That's so true. It's not more content. It's denser yes. content. I hate it. Give me some fluff. Like Jennifer's body is so light and fluffy. So fluffy. One more thing about Week in History, and this is kind of a lot of fluff. 72 years of Guiding Light ended with its final episode that aired the day Jennifer's body came out. Wow. There's something symbolic there. (laughs) I don't know what, but there's a metaphor in there somewhere. (laughs) It was directed by Karen Kusama, who also directed The Invitation. I loved that movie. Not the vampire one, the one with the dinner party, right? Yeah. I love that Me movie. Too. Wow, we agree on something. I must be a Karen Kusama <laughs> stan. I saw that in theaters. You went to a theater? I was forced to when I was hungover. <laughs> it cured my Sunday scaries right up, because then I had scaries about other things. Wait, the one? We'll talk about it some other time. I can't imagine we're talking about the same yes, movie. Yes, it is. Okay, so my college guy friends were in town. We went out. We were so hungover. They tricked me into seeing a movie because we went to a movie theater that served alcohol, and that was how they got me in the door. We saw two movies that day at two separate times. We saw a another movie about these creepy like Swedish twins earlier in the day. I know it was a really weird, weird day, but that was like our 11 o'clock show. And then they brought me back for the invitation at like 3 p.m. We went back to the movies because we were all so hungover. We couldn't function. And I was catfished, but I very much enjoyed myself. Hmm. Maybe I'm explaining the kind of person I am, but why wouldn't you just sneak into a second movie? Because it's illegal? Because you know me, I love my rules. (laughs) Famously always following the rules. No, we were so brain dead. Like, it wasn't our plan to see a second movie. We got home, and we literally couldn't do anything else. We were like, well, we were successful at watching a movie in a dark movie theater. Perhaps we should just do that again. And we did. I'm impressed that you left the house (laughs) at all. Let alone twice. Karen Kusama also directed, and maybe I'm a Karen Kusama Stan. She directed the pilot of Yellow Jackets. Hmm. It was written by Diablo Cody. And I think Diablo Cody is my M night, Chelsea, because I'll watch anything she writes. She wrote Juno, United States of Terra, Young Adult Tully. I watched them all. And she has a new movie coming out that sounds right up my alley. It's the story of Frankenstein, but set in high school in the 80s. Incredible. I got the chills. I loved United States of Terra. I didn't know that you watched that, Donnie. Oh, yeah. Man. The more you know. But the lead had a short haircut, so I can see why you thought I stayed away. No, I just literally have never met another person that watched that show. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, we'll discuss it. Maybe on a Patreon. Perhaps. The budget for the movie was $16 million, and it made $32 million. So it did not do well. We'll talk about it. But I do want to highlight some wins first. So Amanda Seyfried won the MTV Movie Award for Best Scared as Shit Performance, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, thank God, that's a category. And <laughs> Megan Fox won the Teen Choice Award for Best Actress in a Horror Thriller. Mm-hmm. Now, when the movie mm-hmm. came out, it had 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, with Roger Ebert, Chelsea, before you even roll your eyes, he gave one of the nicer reviews. He gave it a 75% and said, it's not art, it's not Juno, but as a movie about a flesh-eating cheerleader, it's better than it has to be. Oh, so he just completely missed the point. Cool, Bob. (laughs) Well, he was close to death. I mean, not like on his deathbed, but like he clearly wasn't the target audience. Yeah, Jennifer would not be eating him. No. (laughs) No, not at all. However, in 2018, people began posting articles about how 2009 wasn't ready for the movie and it would do better if it came out then. And I, A, have to agree, and B, want to talk about it. Yeah. Jenna, did you watch this when it first came out? I didn't see it when it first came out, but you know how HBO likes to rerun the same like six movies over and over? Sure do. The summer of 2010, I was very hungover most days and this was one of the movies in the HBO rotation so I watched it a lot I had a lot of time to reflect on the subtext in Jennifer's body in a dark basement with a hangover (laughs) you know what hangovers really bless us with a lot of movies that maybe we wouldn't have originally watched so thank you alcohol 100% I didn't watch this movie until Donnie told me to watch it. Now, my husband had been trying to get me to watch it for literally 10 years. And then Donnie was like, I really think that you would like Jennifer's Body. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's true. I loved it. It is so good. I saw it in theaters the day it came out for my friend's birthday. Like, I even terrorize people when it's their own birthday. She was like, let's do something. I said, we're seeing this movie. I don't care if you want to or not. So we did go to see it for her birthday. She didn't like it as much as I did, but it's... (laughs) Not all about you, I guess. But I knew from the start that it was art. And I think, not to like pat my people on the back, but I think gay men can take something in that sometimes the world cannot. Like, we Mm. are fine with things being campy. So when the world wasn't ready for Jennifer's body, I was eating it up like a high school boy. (laughs) Our feminist icon, Donnie Hadfield-Smith, strikes again. A voice of our generation. Thank God we have him to speak for us. So ahead of the times. Always, Jenna. Thank you for pointing it out. I think that I am literally the perfect example of why this movie did not do well, because I do, I remember specifically avoiding this movie for years because I thought I wouldn't like it. I thought it wasn't made for me. Jennifer's body was literally made for me. Like from the music to the message to Adam Brody being in it, I was the target audience and I was actively avoiding watching it because of the way it was marketed. Yeah. It was marketed as a horny horror movie aimed at straight teen boys. And it was like anything but because Karen Kusama, I was reading interviews with her about this. She said it was an all male marketing team, which right there is our mistake and the movie is actually about for those of you who don't know uh it's about girl on girl hatred sexuality the death of innocence and small town politics like the way that Mm -hmm. everybody that responds to the deaths in like a unconventional way is branded as a traitor so a movie about all of those things but it was just (laughs) advertised with like those two girls kissing and megan fox walking down the hallway in slow Mm -hmm. motion and then the whole subtext of 
commodifying trauma. Straight mm-hmm. men trying to market that. What are you thinking? Right. Whoosh. They missed it all. Yeah. The marketing department wanted Megan Fox to do live chats online with amateur porn studios. <gasps> and the director was like, that is a terrible idea, number one. We're not doing it. And number two, don't even tell Megan that that was an idea because that would just crush her. Yeah. Like, that's not why she took the role. That's not why she's playing it. So they didn't, but... Jesus. And it really just shows how awful and toxic and stupid men are that there was literally a female director, a female writer, but the all-male marketing team still found a way to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Truly. And I think why 2018 is when the world saw the movie for what it was is because I do think with the messages that it hits differently in a Me Too and Time's Up world. Mm -hmm. Even the scene when they are killing her and they like sing that song or whatever, Mm -hmm. like they're using her torment as a bonding activity. It's just so gross. Yeah. (laughs) I think more people relate to it than they thought. And with TikTok and twitter and everything being a way to talk about what the movie really is and not just have her walk down the hallway in that pink hoodie i think it opens a lot of people's eyes yeah so there is only one tagline for this movie so we will still play fuck mary kill but just pick one of them the tagline is she's evil and not just high school evil yeah <laughs> sorry chelsea <laughs> That's that all-male marketing team I know. I know you didn't write it, but I just got actively mad because you're a man. (laughs) I'll allow it. (laughs) I'm going to kill it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we agree. A little bit of trivia, last-minute trivia before we move on. Amanda and Megan's favorite movie they've ever done to this day is still Jennifer's Body, which I love. They were both great in this. So good. And at this point in her career... People knew who Amanda Seyfried was, but she never got to like, uh, well, Mamma Mia was out. But was Mean Girls out yet? It was, but she was Karen. Like, if you look at all of the plastics, yeah. I feel like she is the smallest Karen. Yeah, that was such a superficial role. Yes. Yeah. This definitely showcased that she can act. And she was on that show about sister wives for like seven years too. But I also feel like people didn't watch that. Oh, Big I didn't Love? watch that. I was like, she was Sick. on sister wives. Was she married to Cody? <laughs> I know I was really confused for a second. I got scared. Is she selling LuLaRoe in her basement <laughs> with Mary? Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. What character, if any, do you identify as in this movie? I think I am half Seth Cohen <gasps> and half needy. I also think, Donnie, that if you put me and you together, we make Jennifer. Like, I think we're different parts of her. Okay. I'm the demon part. <laughs> Tell me about the Seth Cohen part. Well, I did like to dabble in online witchcraft growing up. But I do understand his, like, I want to be famous by any means necessary. However, I wouldn't, you know, like, murder Mm. and torture anybody. But he's really dedicated. So now that you said that, I think I am a little bit him too. (laughs) Like, if his victim was 
that science teacher, maybe I could see myself as him. <laughs> but doing it to a high school girl and then giggling about it as he's doing it just makes me so sick to my oh, stomach yeah, he's that I evil. couldn't see myself as him. Mm-hmm. But everything you just said, yeah, I think I'm a little bit him as well. But <laughs> I said, I'm just Jennifer. Well, you stole my answer. Oh, <laughs> go for it. We'll edit it so you go first. <laughs> no, okay. I too feel like I identify as Jennifer because I present myself as a cold-hearted snarky bitch. But it's really just, I use humor to cover up like wounds, you know? And I also do love a pink velour anything, but especially if it has hearts on it. (laughs) I know. Her wardrobe was kind of top notch, especially for being in this small town. Right. It didn't have to be as good as it was. Actually, that's another reason why I identify as Jennifer. I come from a town much like Devil's Kettle, Minnesota, except for mine was in Wisconsin, but same thing. And I was probably the only girl that would wear the lowest of the low rise to religion jeans and strut down the hallways of my high school. And you too were stabbed the night of a party, but yours was in your eyes. I was. Maybe they were trying to sacrifice me to become famous. Go back to our Mean Girls episode for that tale because it really comes out of nowhere. So Jenna, we're going to put one minute on the clock if you want to give us a synopsis of this movie. Okay. So Jennifer's body centers around high school students, Jennifer and Needy, who are best friends. And Jennifer is the hot, bitchy, kind of slutty one. And Needy is also super hot. But because it's a 2000s movie, she's like supposed to be the ugly, nerdy friend. The glasses make her ugly, which Jennifer likes because she's insecure. So the two of them go see a band whose lead singer is Seth Cohen. I love that we're calling him Seth Cohen. And the venue burns down and a bunch of people tragically die. After which the band drives Jennifer out into the woods and sacrifices her to Satan so that they can become rich and famous as one does. And it works. But because Jennifer is not a virgin and they think she is, but she's not even a backdoor virgin, he doesn't die. She just becomes a demon who has to eat boys. And then she eventually kills Needy's boyfriend by eating him. And that really pisses Needy off. So she stabs Jennifer to death, gets locked away in prison or a mental hospital or whatever. But in a plot twist, she also has demon powers. So she breaks free and she hunts down the band and she brutally murders this band that has become famous by capitalizing off of all of the tragedy that led Needy to this very dark place in her life. Number one, great job. Number two, I really don't know why this movie wasn't successful because Mm -hmm. hearing you talk about it, it is just so good. I know they should hire me to market movies. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So our movie begins with Anita Needy Lesnicki, a violent inmate at a psych hospital who informs us she used to be normal until the killings began. And here at I Am The Cute One, we pride ourselves on not quoting scenes word for word, but I do need to point out the first scene in the hospital cafeteria when the nurse recommends complex carbohydrates for lunch and Needy kicks her across the table and says, I recommend you shut the fuck up because it was this scene that I was like, oh, whatever happens in the next hour and 45 minutes, I'm here for it. Like, this (laughs) is the way to start a movie. You were sold. I was sold. So sold, in fact, that... The day it came out on DVD, I went to Walmart at midnight to buy it. I don't think they thought they would have people coming (laughs) at midnight. So then I had to go and ask and say, like, excuse me, (laughs) where's Jennifer's body? So they had to go in the back and get it. VIP access. They didn't even put it out yet? (laughs) No, no, they were not ready. They were like, no one wants this. (laughs) Was anybody else looking for Jennifer's body or were you the only one in the movie section? Well, it's tough because... Walmart's not empty at midnight, so 
Well, no one else. No, it's not tough. No one else was looking for Jennifer's body. There wasn't a line out the door with people wearing like blood makeup dripping down their chin in No, character. I was not with my people. No. <laughs> but I also loved the movie so much that I started an entertainment blog just so that this could be its first review. I am obsessed with that. Does this website still exist? No, I went back during lockdown and some of my posts didn't age well so i was like let me just shut hard to believe down. based on <laughs> some of the things you've talked about on this podcast but it was called sexy trash oh i love that yeah. you always say that you're not gonna put a bumper sticker on a harley or whatever that kim kardashian phrase is about tattoos i think that uh-huh. sexy trash could be a nice tramp stamp <laughs> thank you or if I put it a little lower, the A could be my butthole. <laughs> There's something for your Patreon. The photo or just me saying uh, The photo. I was going to say, that's making the main <laughs> okay. feed. We have no shame here. If you thought we started off this episode with a nice intellectual deep dive of the marketing we department. Did, because we knew we were getting Come here. for the deep dive. Stay for Donnie's deep dive. A deeper dive. dive. <laughs> We transport back to when things were normal. Needy and Jennifer stroll through Devil's Kettle in their matching BFF necklaces. Although, like Jenna said, they are complete opposites. Jennifer is Megan Fox, a popular cheerleader, and Needy is a studious, insecure, glasses and cardigan wearing girl with hair that gives Kate Hudson's 10 Things I Hate About (laughs) You haircut a run for its money. Because in that first gym scene, it is a little staticky. (laughs) In short, they shouldn't be friends on paper, but sandbox love never dies. And I will say, I love the slang and dialogue in this movie. I think in so many movies, they like try to sound like teenagers to a point where it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if teenagers really talk like this, but I wish they did. I agree. Whereas other movies, I'm like, this is cringy. I'm going to start calling my friends Monastat. <laughs> yes. She said you'd give me a wedding. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think that's the campy part of it. Like, yeah. some parts of this movie are so specifically high school, and I know we're going to talk about, like, the sex scene and mm-hmm. losing your virginity and all of that, but it's like it toes this really fun line and there's such a juxtaposition of them nailing the high school experience and all of its awkwardness and awfulness and greatness and then also being super campy about it and kind of making fun of it. Like I think had I seen it when it came out, I was still in that age range that I probably wouldn't have picked up on the fact that it was kind of making fun of me. But watching it back later, it's just so good. Totally. But my best friend since childhood is still my best friend. But I think that's because our interests and values remained pretty similar throughout like middle school, high school. But (laughs) maybe I am the demon in my Jennifer's body tale. But the people that I outgrew, not values and morally, but like even interests, I just cut them out in middle school and high school. So for Jennifer and Needy to still be friends, even though they're in these two different worlds, I didn't necessarily buy it. Because I had friends that were in different groups. You know, like Chelsea, you said you went from lunch table to lunch table. Mm -hmm. And I had friends that did that. But I think if we grew up both liking Beanie Babies, and then I like (laughs) Buffy, and you like Angel, and then I like Spice Girls, and you like Backstreet Boy. Well, no, that's I like them too. But you liked, (laughs) I don't know, corn. then then I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. That's really interesting. And I never thought of it that way. I think I thought of it as like a very small town experience because again, this is one of the things that I love about this movie is because I'm from literally this, I mean, not literally, but practically this place. I'm from the next state over. 
And I grew up in a small town that's exactly like this town. And most of my friends growing up, even when we got to high school, we had grown up together. Our parents were friends. Our families were friends. We like went to the same church and you can't avoid them. So even if you don't necessarily have that much in common with them, you stay really close because there's just not that many people in the town. Like there were a hundred people in my high school graduating class and it was three towns put together. Like you didn't have that many options. So you just stayed friends with those people, even if they liked corn (laughs) and you liked Britney Spears. Yeah, that makes (laughs) sense. I forget that this is a small town movie like my graduating class was 500 plus oh yeah no there are not even that many people in one of the three towns that combined to make my high school like population i do think that this movie does a great job of painting what a toxic friendship looks like and i think it's definitely Mm -hmm. queer coded a little bit and there's that like they care about each other perhaps more than just female friends but that toxic friendship of I've been with this person for so long and we just fall into our roles and you see it with Needy's boyfriend being like mm-hmm. why the fuck are you friends yeah, with her absolutely. yeah my best tiktok ever was about Jennifer Spotty <laughs> and uh, in it I said like and these two best friends blah 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 and the reason it did so well is because it just brought in so many people in the comments that were like best friends right right and because they were trolling me about this queer coding it gave me my highest ratings today on TikTok. Gotta love the trolls. <laughs> my favorite is when people are like I don't know why your page keeps popping up for me I'm like bitch you're commenting you're engaging with my content the algorithm thinks you like me just shut the fuck up. Right. The algorithm can't read your comment, okay? They don't know that you're spewing hate. But now I know when we promote this episode, I'm just going to say, Needy and Jennifer, what a wonderful platonic friendship they have. Oh, it'll go through the roof. (laughs) So the two platonic best friends go to Melody Lane, a local dive bar equipped only with a jukebox and a sticker toilet, to listen to an indie rock band, Low Shoulder, led by Seth from the OC, wearing eyeliner. My go-to dive bar, we won't talk about my college one because it was similar to Melody Lane, but the one I went to when I went home from college was called Whiskey Tango, and this is where I used to drink the drinks left on the stage from the cover band. Ew. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was disgusting, Jenna. (laughs) I think I was the start of COVID. (laughs) I like that your drinking behavior was literally like me at 12 at a family wedding going yeah. around and just like finding the like half drinking lost soldiers but that was just Donnie on a Thursday night at Whiskey Tango. Great name though. Oh so great. What were your dive bars like? Oh man well as you can imagine with where I'm from Oh yeah please. We just outwardly walked into these bars in high school and the owners would service drinks because we were like young girls so i don't think this bar exists anymore so i'll just put them on blast but our favorite to go to especially underage was called i'm not kidding about this hillbilly fun saloon (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a theme park oh yeah it it was a theme park in its own way it it reminded me of melody lane there were a lot of guys in like t-shirts with deer on them and like camouflage and the owner had a mullet like a Billy Ray Cyrus this mullet. Is an SNL sketch. Yes, but it was my life. And he would give oh us alcohol. And sometimes they'd have bands. And one time I slipped on some like spilled beer and I fell flat on my ass. I was like 17 years old in my little Hollister bomber jacket <gasps> laid out on the floor with the band. And then I reached over you to get their drink. <laughs> yeah. Donnie was like, I'll take that. <laughs> but if that was presumably one of the like only dive bars in town, 
when you were there in high school drinking, like, did you ever run into like your aunt or friends? Everyone was there. Teachers, (gasps) the one cop in town, like (laughs) knew we were there one time. I'm just really putting everyone on blast. One time I pulled up in front of that bar on new year's Eve and I got out of my car. I was in high school. My friend got out and we were walking into the bar and the one cop in town pulled up next to me and he was like, what are you doing? Go home. (laughs) But like, didn't, you know, bother to check yeah. to see where we came from or where we were going. Just was like, you can't go in that bar right now because I'm going in that bar so right now. So when you said this town is like the one in the movie, you weren't lying because that's basically Chris Pratt. Yes. I mean, our one <laughs> cop was significantly older, but Chris Pratt's character, it gets me in the gut how accurate that character yes. is. Like the former hot guy, probably football quarterback. Now he's a cop. Of course he's a cop. Mm-hmm. And he's hitting on young girls who are underage drinking in the bar. I mean, chef's kiss. Everything about it is perfect down to his outfit. Every person <laughs> that I went to high school with who is now a cop, it was like they were either going to go to jail or become a cop. <laughs> yeah, He plays that part so perfectly. And this was when he was still like schlubby, like Parks and Rec mm-hmm. Chris Pratt. Yeah. So it's perfect because he's like supposed to be the hot guy, but a hot guy in a small town who like drinks a little too much, you know? <laughs> it's just so perfect. My dive bar in college was where Eastbound and Down was filmed. And so the bar that they said, like, I'm going to Shabooms, that was our go-to bar. Were you in college when the show was filmed? Yeah. And Steve Buscemi was in that show. So when I was on Mushrooms and hallucinated that I saw naked Steve Buscemi in a tutu playing the recorder, was it him? Was it a hallucination? <laughs> no one knows. He could have been at that music festival. Wow. At least he was in your town. So even if it was made up, at least I understand why he was on your mind. Because when you first told that story, yeah. I was going to check you into where Needy is a patient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a fire breaks out in the bar and kills a few people. But when people are running out, Jennifer decides to leave with the band instead of going home with Needy. One time on my birthday party, we took a school bus bus into philadelphia it was jersey shore theme the year before we took a limo into the city and it was gossip girl theme so for the jersey shore theme i was like oh a school that's bus so fun so we took a school bus into the city but we pre-gamed on the bus so by the time we got there two of my friends got sick as soon as we showed up oh. to the bar so they threw up got kicked out immediately so they went home and they stayed at we'll call her friend a so friend a and friend b stayed at friend a's house but then in the middle of the night friend b decided to go meet a boy that lives in her neighborhood so she left friend a's house and walked across town to meet this boy oh my meanwhile God. i was still out partying didn't know any of this was happening did friend a wake up and was like where the fuck are yeah, you but friend a and friend b weren't friends friend a was just being nice letting her stay at her house because they both got kicked out wow that oh. dick must have been good to walk across town. I know. I have learned the lesson many times. I should have learned it like the first time I learned it, but it took a couple of experiences to really sink in that you never go to a second location with a creeper because one time I was visiting my friend. It's not, it doesn't end bad. You can take a breath. It doesn't end with tickling. Well, that's the rule you tell like when people get serial killed so i was very nervous that you started a story with that yeah well the twist is i'm dead i was murdered by a serial killer (laughs) okay go ahead no but my college roommate is from long island and so i was visiting her over i think it was actually new year's which creepers on new year's are a very special kind of creeper yeah. yeah so 
We went into the city for a Disco Biscuits concert, which that was our first what mistake. It's exactly what you would imagine it would be. It's music <laughs> that you listen to when you want an excuse to do drugs. Mm, okay. So that was our first mistake. But we ended up meeting these guys. We went with them to their friend's apartment who was out of town. And we ended up doing what turned out to be speed. <laughs> would not recommend. Um, zero out of ten. <laughs> But we then were like, we got to get the fuck out of here. So we called her brother, who was supposed to pick us up from the Long Island train station. So we called him. And we we're like, hey, can you come get us? And he was like, yeah. So then in like 15 minutes, he calls and he's like, hey, I'm at the train station. And we were like, oh, well, we're <laughs> actually in Brooklyn. <laughs> like, we're not there. We didn't tell you that, but we're going to need you to come into the city. So we just kind of walked around Brooklyn at four in the morning until oh her brother God. came and got us. This is the same friend that I went on that family boat with. Jesus. I know. The two of I'm us. amazed that he came to Brooklyn to pick you up. I would have been like, The sun too comes bad. up in two hours, bitch. Find a park bench. <laughs> He's such a good brother. He's an older brother. So am I. So, that's still what I would have Well, said. we got quite a lecture on the way home as I'm like, because I had just done fucking speed. I remember being like, the Christmas lights are so beautiful. Oh, my God. So live, laugh, love. Like the episode of Girls where Shoshana accidentally smokes crack. I don't know if you're girls people, but that's what I'm what I'm picturing. Yeah. That's basically Chelsea's life. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here to tell the tale. Oh This podcast is sponsored by ZocDoc. We've all been there. I have a headache because I've been dealing with my co-host celebrating his birthday for 31 straight days. So I head to TikTok and I find a rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people from the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. So long scrolling on WebMD at 3 a.m. wondering if I'm going to perish at any moment. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Our cuties know we love a twist on the pod, whether it's the M. Night Shyamalan variety, Amanda Seyfried getting powers at the end of a movie, or one of us finding out Mark Ruffalo's real name. <laughs> but there shouldn't be twists when it comes to your healthcare. With ZocDoc, there are no alarms and no surprises. Choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need. Go to ZocDoc.com slash cute and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash cute. ZocDoc.com slash cute. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, <laughs> unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots. 
and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. So Jennifer shows up that night covered in blood to push Smeedy around, binge eat Boston Market, and puke up black vomit with porcupine needles. Which, first of all, if I'm ever the judge in a costume contest and you come dressed like this, you are going to win. Just know that now. Put it in your little diary. My entire brand is pretty girls covered in blood. So, what? Inspiration struck. So, you know, we've been planning a live show that like we have all these ideas, but we haven't been planning like, you know, a venue or a time or a date. But yeah. we're planning like we should wear the jumpsuits from Dreamgirls. <laughs> what if we have it? And even if it's not on Halloween, all of the people coming dress in costume as something from one of the movies we've covered. Love that. Oh, I love that. And then we could have a costume contest. Everybody will be Jennifer, (laughs) including me. But in school the next day, Jennifer is there looking better than ever and acting like the night before didn't happen. I want to tell a quick story. When I was on one of the two cruises I've been on, (laughs) we went to an excursion in the DR where it was like open bar, at a nice little beach, whatever. And my personal trainer friend, she's not my personal trainer. She's my friend who is a personal trainer. Okay. If she was my personal trainer, <laughs> she does a terrible thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, my friend that's a personal trainer got so drunk off Mama Wana that my husband had to carry her back to the boat. And then when he got her to the boat, the cruise employees were like, she needs a wheelchair. So then we pushed her back to her room in a wheelchair. She was like close to death. Then three and a half hours later, when we went down to our dinner reservation, she came down, gussied up in like island wear. She looked so hot. She sat down and ordered another drink immediately. And that is what Jennifer was like when she came back the next day. Wow. Apparently being young and fit, you just bounce back. Must be nice. (laughs) I know nothing of this. Yeah. I look like a dehydrated toad for a week after I drink. Mm -hmm. Same. I think I just always look 
like Jennifer looked in the scene because there are mean people in the comments sometimes that are like, you look dehydrated. I'm like, how do you know? I always look like this. What oh, a weird insult. It is, isn't it? You should just respond. Yeah, I'm a thirsty bitch. <laughs> God. So we soon learn that Jennifer is getting her youthful glow, not from being a personal trainer on a cruise, but from eating boys. And she has no dietary restrictions when it comes to type. She snacks on foreign exchange students, jocks, and goths. And I will be the one to say it so you two can be quiet if you want so you don't get canceled. This isn't a terrible thing. Like, if I knew there was a girl in my high school that had to eat boys to live, I would just let her off the leash, tell her which ones to stay away from, and say, like, go for it. Maybe I'd point her in the direction of who needed to disappear. I mean, there's always some high school boys that we could do without, Thank you. I think. Yeah. And there was no age limit. Jennifer was choosing high school boys, but like, I'm sure that there were some older people in that town that could have <laughs> disappeared as well. Yeah, this is if true. Meaty wasn't on to her, she would have made her way up the age yeah. bracket. It's like when you adjust the age on your Tinder profile. It's like after you've run out of one, you're like, okay, let's bump up five years. Let's see what's there. You know, Back in my single years, I would always go up with the thing. I was like, I can do two more years, but I would never go younger than 21. Because mm. I was like, if we can't get a drink together, I'm not doing anything. I think that's, that's fair. That's good. Thank you. I feel like a lot of people do it the other way, but you can't. <laughs> you can't just be going no. younger all the time. Between mm. the fire and high school boys being ripped apart, the country becomes a Obsessed with Devil's Kettle as the town slowly begins to heal. And this, you had mentioned this, Jenna, but this like tragedy porn, the movie did a great job highlighting just the exploitation of people's worst days ever because it's certainly nothing new, but I think that with true crime becoming so mainstream, now that like every TikTok account basically acts like they're Diane Sawyer whenever there's a brutal crime, it's like off-putting. When people are having psychics on their podcast to like speculate where bodies are, Mm. it feels feels a little like maybe we should pump the brakes, you know? Yeah. And we do live in a very different world. I mean, this was very like post 9-11. And I feel like it's clearly pointing to this sort of false sense of unity that we had post 9-11. I mean, I always think of the South Park episode that made fun of that Toby Keith song. I mean, it's the same thing, right? But yeah. people didn't realize there was any irony with that Toby Keith song. They were like, yeah, it's good for you. He's making millions. <laughs> but now we do live in a very different world. Like everybody just commodifies everything. I mean, not to bring everything back to Vanderpump Rules, Donnie, I'm sorry, <laughs> but Lala selling t-shirts that say send it to Daryl oh after her best friend gets cheated on. I mean, that's just the world that we live in now. So I feel like maybe people would get it a little bit more just because this is so present in our lives, like always Mm -hmm. everywhere now. Yeah, just like me, I think the movie was very ahead of its time. (laughs) But I think now the difference is this movie and 9-11, I think people had a false sense of coming together. Whereas now, I think people just make all these things about themselves. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's unity as much as like, oh, this really affects me or this could have been my daughter or this could have. It actually is like the reverse of unity because it's, and I'm talking about it from like a content creation standpoint, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like a, who can break the news first and who can have the best hot take about this thing. And meanwhile, it's like that person has parents that have to just live in this world and see you dressing like Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween. I mean, mixing metaphors here, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Then we move on to the most uncomfortable sex scene I've ever witnessed. And Chelsea, you talked about virginity earlier in the episode. I don't think she lost her virginity during the scene. I think this is just 
regular old high school sex. But I think I it think just so highlights it so well. Like it does. her watching him put the condom on, you know, she's having a full blown panic attack because she's having like <laughs> full visual hallucinations. And he's like, oh, is it because I'm too big? Like, it's so <laughs> perfect. Like, it just captures that thing of like, she is moaning because she is in paralyzing fear. And he's like, oh, fuck yeah. Let me keep doing my little rabbit pumps, you know? so good. (laughs) It's brilliant and so funny, but also it makes me very uncomfortable. Speaking of bad sex, did you see that Rachel Bilson recently sort of like publicly outed Adam Brody as like being bad at sex? Like she came out and she was like, I didn't have an orgasm until I was 38. LOL, isn't that so silly? And people are like, okay, cool. So number one, she dated Bill Hader at 38, which... That tracks for me. I feel like that man goes down. (laughs) But I just love that she's just like kind of shading him. Like, yeah, no, Seth Cohen, no no orgasm for me. Hayden Christensen she dated for a long time. So he's also bad in bed. But my first thought was Leighton Meester. Like, I want to message her and say, I'm so sorry. Because that's her husband. Well, he could have learned. Oh, possibly. Yeah, you're right. PSA, ladies, (laughs) don't fake an orgasm because you're only hurting yourself. True. And Leighton was born in prison, so she seems like the type that would be honest about her, <laughs> what she needs. Okay. Okay. Moving on. All right. So keep that in the main feed. Oh, Jesus. So, <laughs> so Needy does have visions of Jennifer eating her current victim. So Needy drives home and sees Jennifer covered in blood in the middle of the road like a deer before Jennifer jumps on the hood of her car. And then Jennifer follows Needy home where they make out for a little bit before Jennifer tells her what happened the night of the fire. And if you're going to shake someone's world up with some tea, you can at least give them a little tongue. First. <laughs> yeah, honestly, she dropped a bombshell on her. <laughs> exactly. They also said, besides it being their favorite movie, they said this was their favorite scene to film and that they really enjoyed kissing each other. Interesting. So uh, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox are also platonic friends. (laughs) Straight men everywhere are like losing their minds right now. (laughs) So the night of the fire, what did happen was the shrimp dick incels from Low Shoulder tried to do a virgin sacrifice for fame. But since Jennifer was not a virgin, not even backdoor stuff, the sacrifice didn't work. They still got fame, but she did not die and she needs to eat boys to stay alive. And when she's full, she's unkillable. Mm -hmm. So now that we know that, Needy knows this ain't normal behavior. So she does some research and finds out Jennifer is a succubus and a blade to the heart when they are hungry will kill the beast. And with the upcoming school formal, Jennifer's dance card and buffet plate will be full. So I know that Needy found out you can just stab her in the heart, but on Charmed, they set the succubus on fire. So Needy could have also tried that. Mm. Good old charm. Yeah. Or just thrown her into a bookshelf. <laughs> oh, I guess that happens to the charmed ladies. So yeah, never mind. it does. No, they do it to demons too. And I need to know, I know what they did for a living. I did watch the show, but these women had new furniture every single week. And quite the wardrobe. I watch Charmed at the gym every day because it's always on the TV. I would have killed Bring it back. for those Bring clothes. It back. Donnie, when we do our live show, perhaps we could have a Charmed segment. We'll have Charmed outfits on first and then we'll rip them off and have the Dream Girls uniforms go. underneath. Wow. Needy has become immersed in her Jennifer's evil theory and begs her boyfriend Chip to not go to the dance for his safety. In fact, she says, enough about the goddamn dance, Chip. Why do you make everybody sound like 
like Ryan Phillippe from Cruel Intentions. Listen again. All of your impressions are Jodie Foster adjacent. The lines that stick out to me and the actors' performances that stick out to me are the ones who have a little shh lisp. Mm. Because, as you know, I too have a lisp. So those people stand out to me like, oh my god, I can be famous. (laughs) So although Chip is told not to go and why he shouldn't go, boys are dumb. And while there's no... Boys are dumb. Oh, boys are dumb. Literally, case in point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Boys are dumb. And while there's no earthly way this boy would ever be nominated for prom king, he still decides he needs to be there. So they broke up and he goes alone, equipped with pepper spray. Now, I know I said that in a passing comment, but like, if he was in the running for prom king, I would understand why he still needed to go. But you're not. You just want to go? That's ridiculous. You're risking death for nothing. And for a school dance? I mean, exactly. not even something good. Not even like a <laughs> right. party. Yeah, no cruise. <laughs> when Jennifer finds him on the way to the dance and takes him to an abandoned pool, Needy's connection with her leads her there a tad late as Jennifer is half through nibbling on him. And this, I think, is where Jennifer fucked up because I do think Amanda Seafried was not comfortable with her eating boys. But once Jennifer made it personal, I think Needy was like, this bitch needs to die. This was that perfect encapsulation of like toxic female friendship of she couldn't prove it. She had that gut feeling that Jennifer was targeting people that were interested in her or giving her attention. But like there was not concrete proof to be able to like pin it down. But once this happened, it was like, no. So you're literally just fucking with me like that's not okay that's the interesting part of this movie is like you would assume it would be kind of like that rape revenge trope of like i'm getting back at the people who did this to me but really she could have gone after low shoulder at any point and it was needy who really was like no i'm gonna get revenge on these motherfuckers but jennifer was kind of using her power to get at needy and needy even calls her out for being insecure in that scene Mm -hmm. you know it's a very jealousy charged like toxic female friendship mm-hmm. confrontation that they have that if you take out the eating boys part could feel like a very real fight between high school girls that are supposedly friends but have that kind of jealousy dynamic and it's still feminist in nature because yeah. the patriarchy and the expectations that are placed on women cause them to treat each other like enemies and like be pitted against each other because they're two different types of what society deems they should be. So just a Mm -hmm. feminist film for the ages, really. It truly is. And even down to the costume design, because in this ugly ass dress that Amanda (laughs) Seyfried decides to wear to prom, the costume designer wanted her to look like a princess because then it was the princess saving the boy from a monster instead of what we get all the other times. I always wondered about that dress. Yeah, that dress is a choice. It's such an odd choice for 2009, especially because... The 80s revival was like there, but this seems very over the top. So I I assume that there was a reason. That's very interesting. I mean, they had a reason. It doesn't mean it works aesthetically. It's still ugly. (laughs) They could have put her in Bianca's dress from 10 Things I Hate About You and Mm, had the same effect. I think this was a better choice. I love that dress. You do? Thank you, Jenna. I wore a two-piece dress to Homecoming in 2003, and I think it was inspired by that. I always Uh. wanted a two-piece dress, but I always just wore my cousin, famously, Mono Shot Girl. I always just wore whatever she wore the dance before. I would get like the hand-me-down because we went to different schools. Oh, no. It wasn't like an oh, no. I was like excited to wear it. Yeah, that's a great deal but you had no choice in it i mean i did have a choice i chose i was like hey 
can I wear that yellow dress? Okay. I'm going to be Kate Hudson in 10 Things I Hate About You. Just, you know, one dance after you were Kate Hudson in 10 Things I Hate About You. All right. At least you liked her style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where the oh no came from. She was like the stylish, cool oh, okay. cousin. Yeah, it would more be a oh no if she had to wear your Yes, dresses. absolutely. I'm not even <laughs> okay. going to deny that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. got it. So at the pool, Chip shoves a pool skimmer into Jennifer so deep that even a tampon won't help <laughs> before he dies. So that night, Needy comes to finish the job, but not before being bit by Jennifer. A ripped BFF necklace and a box cutter to the titties ends Jennifer once and for all. But while Jennifer may have had it coming, the law doesn't think so. So Needy is sent away to a maximum security psych hospital. They exist, I guess. And... Since being bit by Jennifer and surviving, Needy gets her powers and tracks down Low Shoulder to give them a taste of their own medicine. Through the trees, she will find them. Get it? <laughs> Got it. See what That's she did it. there. Yeah. And this is a very satisfying ending. <laughs> Very satisfying indeed. The movie didn't do well, so I'm glad they gave us this ending. Mm -hmm. But a part of me wishes they would not have included it in the credits, because then that could have been the sequel. Yeah. But I think probably the director and the writer took a look at that round table in the marketing department, and they're like, why don't we just include this at the end? I think you're right, because it was not, I read that, it was not in the original script. Hmm. And then while they were filming, they were like, yeah, let's just add this in at the end here. It's a great (laughs) ending. Movies today, everything is designed for a franchise. But I miss when a movie was complete, you know? Like, I want to see the story resolved. I do too. So final thoughts, if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a reboot or what would the plot to a sequel be? I'll go. Okay. So I have a scorned high school girl, and this could be for whatever reason. It could be like a Carrie situation. It could be darker than that. That's up to the writers. A scorned high school girl does a spell to conjure a demon that will hurt those who hurt her, and it raises Jennifer back from the dead. But then when she realizes she's in over her head, when her friends and loved ones begin getting killed as well, she seeks out Needy for help. I would watch that. Thank you. I do like the ending of this movie, and I like the found footage element. So I think that that could be like a fun horror movie twist to do something. But I also, I recast it. So buckle up, Donnie, because you know... These can only go one of two ways. So number one, Megan Fox absolutely needs to be in it. It needs to be a cameo of some sort. She's not going to be Jennifer, but I want her to be part of the franchise. I would love if somehow Machine Gun Kelly also got murdered in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. That'd be good. So I think <laughs> Timothy Chalamet would be a great Seth Cohen. Okay. Jenna Ortega, I think actually could play Needy quite well, but I think she would be really good at Jennifer. Okay. If we're going the big eyes route, I was going to say Donnie's personal favorite, Anya no. Taylor-Joy, but it's your birthday month, so I didn't. Okay. I think you. Haley Lou Richardson, she was from White Lotus uh-huh. too. I think her as Needy, I think she plays that like quirky, awkward person nicely. Uh-huh. And that's my cast. The cast is great. I love Jenna Ortega, but I think I love this movie so much that it's become untouchable to me mm. because all of that made me want to vomit porcupine blood. There. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So with that, Jenna, what are you going to cast? Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about Gen Z people. Like if they weren't famous mm. 15 years ago, I don't know who they are, except for Jenna Ortega, <laughs> only because of those Scream movies. But I think that this could have a really fun sequel about Needy becoming like a vigilante and it's set in present day and she goes on a murder spree and kills all these people who are capitalizing off of 
people's pain. My favorite part about this movie is the subtext of it that everybody missed. And people still today are like, oh, it's so awesomely bad. And I'm like, no, you guys, it's not bad. It's just awesome. You missed the Mm -hmm. point. So lean into that in a sequel and she can go kill like influencers who make money by exploiting people's bad situations and, Mm -hmm. you know, Toby Keith. I don't know. For that (laughs) 9-11 song, that could be the sequel. I love that. Yeah. Because then she can toe the line of becoming the monster herself. Exactly. Mm, Love that. Uh, we love subtext. I'm so deep. <laughs> We're so this deep. This podcast is honestly so intellectual. Like, I don't know how people keep up, really. We're too smart. <laughs> so final, final thoughts. What aged well and what aged like Blockbuster? I mean, some of the dialogue obviously drop a lot of R words. and So many R words. It, it doesn't age well, but I do think in the vein of parody, like you were saying, Chelsea, it almost works because it is kind of like hyperbole of the way that teenagers especially at that time period talk but yeah you wouldn't want that on your twitter feed for people to find and to add on to that there's a lot of racial humor that was like very office or 30 rock like in nature where you could tell diablo cody thought she was being edgy and at the time she was but over time those don't age well yeah other than that i think this movie i think only ages better with every year that passes And I'm glad it's getting the respect it deserved the first go round. Like, I'm glad people are discovering it. I'm glad that there are think pieces and Instagram posts and all the things about all the things that were missed the first time around. And I hope that the marketing department responsible for Jennifer's body, I hope they take a long look in the mirror. I hope Jennifer gets them, actually. (laughs) I hope Needy gets them in the sequel. In the sequel, yes. That's what the next one's about. (laughs) It'll be very meta. (laughs) So that is the end. Jenna, let everyone know. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll bring you on for a fourth. And maybe it'll be something you like, maybe not. But (laughs) uh, let everyone know where they can follow you, where they can find you. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Jenna A. Barclay, two A's. And then my podcast is Talks in Class. It is just me by myself telling you about memories from the 2000s and, you know, Hillbilly Fun Saloon and things like that. And it is on all the major podcast places or you can watch me sitting in my bedroom talking on YouTube. Love that. So go rate her five stars. You guys are so generous with the five stars for us. Go spam her with five stars because especially like doing it without a co-host is such a skill set that I don't think people realize and certainly one that I do not have. So anytime somebody is putting out a solo podcast, I'm like, holy shit, go rate them five stars. Well, thank you. Yeah, I talk to myself all the time, but if I had to be good at it, (laughs) forget about (laughs) it. So next week we will be covering What a Girl Wants for its bite your tongue 20th anniversary the 20th anniversary of what a girl wants so stay tuned for that and unfortunately bite your tongue again donnie appreciation month has come to an end so i will see you next (laughs) year we did it (laughs) we will talk to you later love Love you like like a sister sister. bye well hello there donnie it's me your co-host Chelsea, you know, the one that you've been terrorizing for the past 31 days. I want to take a moment to wish you one final fucking time, a happy Donnie Appreciation Month. And I don't know if it is 
that I'm feeling, the love in my heart after talking about this feminist film, Jennifer's Body. I don't know if it's just pure exhaustion and the fact that my brain is broken from this month, but I'm going to get a little sentimental. I'm allowed to once a year when Donnie Appreciation Month has ended. I do appreciate you, and I love this little chaotic engine that could that we've built together, and I can't wait to see what the year brings. Turn your wigs around. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to you you later. later. Love you like like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.